Right now there's a war in Ukraine. That means right now there's bombing, killing, persons aiming guns and missiles at others with the intent of killing them and actually killing them, destroying cities, maiming. We can't imagine what it's like unless we're in it. it it's just hell and it's going on right now. Wars are also going on and have been going on for months and years in Yemen, Somalia, Ethiopia, and so many other places. We don't hear so much about that in the news, but it's just as horrific. There's no real reason why humans can't live together peacefully. It seems to make more sense than fighting. If there was an open-hearted spirit of cooperation, there'd be no need to spend billions of dollars on weapons and having armies and hot wars and cold wars and hunger and poverty could all be solved. But the actual situation is that fighting is always going on. There's constant tension. Politics means that individuals are always sizing up others. You can never fully trust anyone. And there's always tension between countries. So the idea that humans could live together peacefully, it sounds like a nice idea, but it seems to be unrealistic, utopian. Why is that? Well, for all the veneer of decency, even if we talk about kindness and compassion, humanitarian values. Civilized man is just like an animal. The world leaders, they get together, they think of their own national interest. We think that's completely normal. Why should that be normal? Why shouldn't we think of the interest of everyone? Sarve sukhino bhavantu is the Vedic injunction, let everyone be happy. Why not? But we're like animals. Dogs come together and sometimes they wag their tails at each other, sometimes they snarl at each other, sometimes they fight with each other. Now there's <clears throat> war in Ukraine. There's fear of it increasing. I was speaking to a devotee just yesterday who was in India and said, I'm going to America. I don't know if it's a good idea. The whole place could be nuclear bombed soon. It feels like the clouds of war are gathering, just like when you see rain clouds gather and then rumbling of thunder Usually it means there's going to be rain. Not always. Sometimes the storm clouds dissipate. But usually it means there's going to be rain. So right now, the whole world situation is not just what's going on in Ukraine, but it's the whole world situation is highly toxic. We can look at the history just before World War II. It was, if, if you see 
magazines and articles that were written at that time, it's, writers were intellectuals, just everyone was just talking as if war was inevitable, and it didn't happen. There was some <laughs> drama of peace in our times, famously Neville Chamberlain, but it, <laughs> within a year of his peace within our time speech, Britain was at war with Germany. It's really, it's not fun. I've, I've, I haven't been in a war in this lifetime, but I've spoken with persons who have, and I've, I've interacted with persons who have, some who, who are highly psychologically disturbed for killing people, seeing their friends killed and maimed. In our peaceful, civilized countries, we're used to seeing war on television screens. I remember as a child seeing footage from Vietnam of how, and never understood why there was a war going on there. I'm not sure if anyone understood. There was a war going on for years and years and years. We're just used to it. It's, it's something like an entertainment. We watch fictional war movies and we see footage of actual war and to us it's just the same because it's just something we see on a screen. <clears throat> Can end up in your backyard. Likely to. In war, even the so-called civilized, intelligent, intellectual people, people lose all discretion. They can become so cruel. And it stopped. If ever there was any kind of rational thinking, it just gets all thrown out. So all Germans are bad. Everything German is bad. That was from the British, French side during World War II. Now we have coming up from the Western side, all Russians are bad. Everything Russian is bad. And that justifies in our minds doing all kinds of horrible things. I'll give an example of horrible things from a war, which I have indirect experience of. This is actually from Russia. I'm just saying all Russians are bad. I'm going to recount something about something very bad concerning a Russian or two Russians. I was in a train quite a few years ago. This was when the uh, uprising was in Chechnya part of Russia, part of the Russian Federation. I was in a train. We were going somewhere in the Golden Ring in Russia. That's in European Russia. I was going with Gunadham, my disciple, who was always translating for me from Russian to English. So we were in a compartment in a train. There were just four of us, myself and Gunadham on one side, 
and two Russians on the other. Gurudam is also Russian. And they were talking, the two Russians in front of us. One of them had a knife where he was spreading his meat paste or whatever it was on his bread. And they were talking. And it seemed somewhat nasty to me. There was a nasty vibe coming out. And I asked Gunadam, well, what are they talking about? And he told me that the the one one of them was telling the other, he because he'd he'd been a soldier in Chechnya. He said, with this he was showing the knife to his friend. He said, with this knife I used to gouge people's eyes out. I used to cut off their ears with this knife. And the other was going, da-da, da-da, yes, yes. Now, I don't subscribe to the all Russians are bad, but I'm just giving some example of how cruel people can be. Why should they do that? Uh, well, you, you, in, in our minds, we dehumanize others, or we allow ourselves... Uh, Propaganda. How are you going to get people to go out and fight? And well, you have to think that these these others are so bad; they only deserve to be killed, and the the most in the most nasty way possible. And then all kinds of lies and exaggerations are made about those who are cast as as the enemy. And then get people all excited to go out and sacrifice their life, willing to die for the cause of killing the other, subduing the other. And it reminds us of the lemmings. Actually, apparently it's not true, but it's widely believed to be true, that when lemming lemmings are a kind of small mouse, small ro well small rodent and there's it's widely believed that when their population swells up more than the area they live in can support them that they just start running thousands of them running together and they jump off a cliff and die a kind of mass hysteria kind of mass madness. Well, humans are like that also. They, they get worked up into a frenzy of madness, a frenzy of hate. In hate, in anger, you can do anything. Our Vaishnav poet Narottam Das says, In anger, what is there that you cannot do? You just become mad. All sense of discrimination is lost. So the, that's going on. Like I say, even very highly intellectual, sophisticated persons, they, they lose all sense of clear understanding. One example is one of the... For, for persons who study philosophy, the, the, the name of Martin Heidegger is well known as one of the, really the top, very, very top philosophers 
of the 20th century, highly influential, German. <clears throat> he was absolutely a supporter of the Nazi movement, absolutely anti-Semitic, wrote horrendous things about the Jews, supported the pogroms against the Jews, and even after the war, he never recanted. Now, here's a person who is very highly intelligent, very deeply philosophical, and completely devoid of any basic human kindness toward another race of people. It, 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 doesn't, it seems like it shouldn't fit the frenzy of hate, our spiritual master, Srila Prabhupada, he wrote about this in an article in his Back to Godhead magazine, which was published in 1944, when the people of the world were pretty much tired of the world war, which had been raging for five years with untold destruction over large parts of Europe and Asia. People were tired of it, but you couldn't get out of it. It had to come to closure. Closure was in sight. Srila Prabhupada commented on uh, a speech by Winston Churchill in which he spoke of a humane world in which, he, in which Churchill spoke of the frenzy of hate, the frenzy of hate that had caused humans to en masse kill each other. So Srila Prabhupada wrote that we are pleased to find that the leaders of world politics such as Mr. Churchill have nowadays begun to think of a humane world and trying to get rid of the terrible national frenzy of hate. They're thinking, people are saying, what is this? It's a frenzy, just out of control, wild in hate. Srila Prabhupada's comment, speaking from the platform of transcendental knowledge, the frenzy of hatred is another side of the frenzy of love. Wait a minute, so love is very good and hatred is very bad. But here Srila Prabhupada says that the frenzy of hatred is simply another side of the frenzy of love. And Srila Prabhupada went on to explain. The frenzy of love of Hitler's own countrymen has produced the concomitant frenzy of hatred for others and the present war is the result of such a dual side of a frenzy called love and hatred. So in other words, because Herr Hitler had promoted love of our country, we love our country. For the sake of our country, we have to subdue others. We have to conquer others. So the love of one's country on one side is expressed as hatred of others on the other. So they're concomitant. The whole creation of the material world 
Srila Prabhupada writes, is more or less based on this principle of love and hatred. Raga-dvesha, these two words come repeatedly in Bhagavad Gita. Raga, attachment, and dvesha, <coughs> which means hatred. <clears throat> so when we wish to get rid of the frenzy of hate, we must be prepared to get rid of the frenzy of so-called love. See, Srila Prabhupada, he didn't say that we have to get rid of love, but we have to get rid of this frenzy of so-called love. This position of equilibrium, free from love and hatred, is attained only when men are sufficiently educated. In the Bhagavad Gita, it is said that a man, when he is sufficiently educated, can look and see on equal terms a gentle brahmana, a cow, an elephant, a dog, or a chandala. Vidyavinaya sampane brahmane gavihastini shuni chaiva shvaparkecha pandita samadarshanaha. Pandit, one who is sufficiently educated, sees all living beings equally. And then Srila Prabhupada writes, One may ask how, as to how it is possible to look on equal terms a gentle brahmana and a dog. The answer is plain and simple. A real educated man does not look over the fleshy tabernacle of a living being, but he introspects the spirit within the body. In other words, someone who's actually learned, he doesn't judge people according to their, or any living being according to their bodily identification, but he sees that within, within every body, not only human bodies, but every body, is an eternal, spiritual, living being. Therefore, Srila Prabhupada writes, a sane man does not see the dress of a man, but the man who puts on the dress. The dress has no value if there was not a man within, and similarly, the gentle Brahmin, the cow, the elephant, the dog, or the chandala are but different dresses encaging the spirit soul within them. Unless, therefore, men are educated sufficiently to see within the dress, the dual frenzy of love and hatred will continue to work. We identify the body as the self. My body is from such and such a country. Your body is from another country. We don't like your country. Therefore, you are fit to be killed. I don't think anyone puts it that clearly, but that is what is going on. And people just take it as normal. It's taken as normal that the great world leaders, they come together, or they don't come together, they, they vilify each other and they're making plans against each other. That, that we're, well, that we could work together, well, that may work for some time, as long as the national interest of one particular country is served by cooperating with another. It goes on like this. Unless, therefore, men are educated sufficiently to see within the dress, the dual frenzy of love and hatred will continue to work. A humane world is possible when we are really human beings as distinguished from ordinary animals. The lower animal has no introspection of the soul within because it is incapable of being sufficiently educated. This, the distinction between a lower animal beast and a higher animal man 
lies in the capacity of this introspection of the soul within. A man devoid of this power of introspection is no better than a beast. And yeah, how cruel, how nasty, gouging people's eyes out and then using the, sa the same knife to, to eat your own meal. No better than a beast, maybe worse than a beast. This introspection is, however, easily attained by the service of Godhead. So Mr. Churchill's humane world implies that we must go back to Godhead. At least devotees who have received this spiritual knowledge from Gita and Bhagavatam, we shouldn't get caught in this animalistic love-hate. Russians are bad. Americans are bad. Republicans are bad. Democrats are bad. Without Krishna consciousness, everything is bad. That means we're getting caught up in Kali Yuga, the age of quarrel in which people, even over trifles, quarrel. Srila Prabhupada wrote in the beginning of his Srimad Bhagavatam commentary in the very preface, human society at the present moment is not in the darkness of oblivion. It has made rapid progress in the fields of material comforts, education and economic development throughout the entire world. But there is a, prin there is a pin prick somewhere in the social body at large. Yes, so much scientific progress, technological development, amazing advances meant to improve the human condition, but there's something wrong somewhere. We can't seem to quite put the we just can't seem to put the finger on it. Something's seriously wrong with the world. There is a pinprick somewhere in the social body at large, and therefore there are large-scale quarrels even over less important issues. There is a need of a clue as to how humanity can become one in peace, friendship, and prosperity with a common cause. Srimad Bhagavatam will fill this need, for it is a cultural presentation for the re-spiritualization of the entire human society. So, yeah, wars are horrific. Untold suffering. People don't believe in hell. Well, it's right there. It's right there in Ukraine right now and Yemen and so many other places. It's right there in the slaughterhouse for the animals. They're being slaughtered mercilessly day after day after day. Typically, after wars, well-intentioned people think, that was, that was really bad. We've got to do something to stop any more wars. Therefore, after the First World War, there was, there was made a League of Nations with the idea to stop all wars. But they made a huge mistake, political mistake, by 
out of vengeance against the Germans, they, they, in, they gave them such heavy reparations that they, they sowed the seed of the next world war. Then after the second world war, the, that means the League of Nations had failed. Then they made the United Nations. The United Nations, that also, it doesn't stop wars. It can, the United Nations cannot stop wars because it cannot control man's lower animalistic nature. They don't even begin to address it. They, in the United Nations, different nations together, they get together, they're not united, they berate each other. Like, like dogs barking at each other. They don't even begin to address the lower animalistic nature which impels us to fight like animals. The only thing is we're much more dangerous than animals. Animals can harm each other. Actually, mostly they don't. Even dogs, when they fight, they mostly don't harm each other. They make, make a lot of noise, but they, they don't usually actually harm each other. One reason I just mentioned about the slaughterhouses. They, somehow they think it's okay to slaughter animals on and on and on, day after day, year after year, but it's not good to slaughter humans. Somehow they don't see the link. There's, there's a psychic link. If you can kill animals, you can kill humans. And it, by the karmic psychic link, we are impelled to kill humans because we massively kill animals. <clears throat> We've invented sophisticated, mechanized systems for slaughtering animals very efficiently, in huge numbers. And simultaneously, we are always, we, the humankind, or human unkind, is always producing more and more sophisticated, mechanized systems for slaughtering huge numbers of people. We don't even know how horrible future wars can be, or even present wars. There, there are treaties against biological weapons, but it's well known that biological weapons are being produced and they'll be used. Horrible. Nuclear weapons. It's only a matter of time. The nuclear weapons are sitting in their bunkers. They're not going to be in their bunkers forever. <laughs> we don't realize how vulnerable we are. Whole populations. We, we vote someone in and or somehow someone becomes a leader of a nation, and if one leader decides, okay, press the nuclear button, then just by that, millions will be incinerated. And those who press the nuclear button, pressing that button means not only are you going to kill millions of the so-called enemy, but you're going to kill millions of your own people, maybe yourself also. Mostly the leaders have very secure bunkers. Ah. 
That's why it's called a nuclear deterrent, because if I kill you, you kill me. But how long will it go on before they use it? Nuclear deterrent means it's... Uh, if in conventional warfare we're being defeated, we'll fight you with nuclear weapons also, rather than submit to you. Another alternative, which I used to hear growing up in, in the Cold War in Britain, better be red than dead. In other words, let the Soviets conquer over us rather than nuking us into annihilation. It was growing up in Britain in the 1960s and 70s, there was always the, the threat of nuclear destruction was hanging over us. It became intense in the 1980s. I wasn't, I'd already left Britain, but I, I heard that pretty much throughout the Western world there was, there was a feeling that, well, it's going to happen soon, nuclear war. It didn't. It died down. Now again, talk of nuclear war. Already major world leaders with nuclear weapons are talking about using them in the wake of the Ukraine developments. Yeah, people become mad and they become so polarized. They just, they just see, instead of seeing in a detached way that one sees from the spiritual platform, vidya vinaya sampane, there's seeing all living beings as spiritual, you see, they are bad, we are good, and become so polarized that you just can't discuss anything in a rational way. I, I've said Republican versus Democrat, vax versus anti-vax. That's forgotten for the time being. Dare I say it? <laughs> you can't discuss in a rational manner with hardly anyone, it seems, from the Western world especially, that from the pragmatic, worldly perspective, the current mess in Ukraine is not entirely the fault of one nasty person sitting in Moscow, but that the Western powers have a very large hand in it. But that is non-discussable because someone sitting in Moscow is the cause of all evil. And that's how people think. And it, meanwhile, the Christians will be citing the book of Revelation and yelling out, the end is nigh, and identifying the beast, the Antichrist, as they've been doing in similar war scenarios for almost 2,000 years, that oh, throughout history there have been horrific wars and Christians have said, you see, these are the end times, it shows in the Bible. That means Jesus is coming soon because the situation in the world is so bad. And they say it, and the situation dies down, and Jesus doesn't come, 
And then again, the world situation, or at least locally, becomes heated up. And again, they cite this not very rational way of thinking. Big peace marches. Make love, not war. Big peace conferences. Prayers coming together. Pray, dear God, let there be peace on earth. And then after the after they have a big religious peace conference and they all pray together, interfaith ecumenical peace conference, they all sit together and eat dead animals. They're not going to stop war. I'm going to read from a letter that Srila Prabhupada wrote in 1973 to one of his disciples. He wrote, You have asked about whether nuclear devastation on this planet would would." affect the Sankirtan movement? No. There is nothing that can stop the Sankirtan movement because it is the will of God himself, Lord Chaitanya, that his holy name be heard in every town and village. Neither can the demons devastate this planet independent of the will of Krishna. Nothing happens without his sanction. If Krishna wants to kill someone, no one can save him. And if Krishna wants to save someone, no one can kill him. For our parts, we should just be determined to carry out our mission against all opposition, demons, nuclear war, whatever. The whole universe is finally subject to certain annihilation by the will of Krishna. Yeah, we're we're worrying about devastation in Ukraine. Yeah, it's bad, but it's nothing, nothing compared to the ultimate annihilation of the whole universe. And then there'll be creation again so that Men can again pursue the path of God consciousness or degrade into mutual destruction. So the whole universe is finally subject to certain annihilation by the will of Krishna. But devotional service is eternal and the only certain way one can save himself from devastation. We can preach all over the world that the only way to be saved from collective and individual devastation is to take to the chanting of Hare Krishna. In short, this material world is a very precarious place. Therefore, we should always chant Hare Krishna and seek Krishna's protection. This is from Srila Prabhupada, who was raised in a Vaishnava family, who was initiated and educated in Vaishnava philosophy by the great uh, Vaishnava philosopher Srila Bhakti Siddhanta and his followers who during the bombing of Calcutta in the 1940s by the Japanese thought, oh, the bombs are coming. This is Krishna in another form, did not experience distress. His family was sent out of Calcutta, sent them to Navadweep, to Sridhar Maharaj's ashram. He stayed in Calcutta. He wasn't disturbed. Pandita Samadarshanaha. He didn't become involved in the frenzy of thinking we have to kill them. We have to, even the whole thing, driving out the British from India, 
in his youth, Srila Prabhupada had subscribed to that, but he, he after coming to the shelter of Bhaktisthansa Sartakoi, just dropped that completely. So also, we who are blessed with knowledge of eternity, of our eternal nature in Krishna's service, we can see the clouds of war gathering, the madness of polarization gathering. You just realize everything here is temporary. We shouldn't get caught up in the polarization, the frenzy of so-called love, the frenzy of so-called hate. Rather, we shall go on with our duty of reviving our eternal relationship with Krishna and spreading to others knowledge of Krishna consciousness, which is the only way to transcend by knowledge, by proper knowledge, and by developing the higher consciousness of Krishna consciousness is the only way that we can escape individually and collectively from this madness, this frenzy of hate, which from time to time erupts as ghastly, inhuman wars. And human, actually, it's very human. It's as human to hate as it is to love. We should rise above being humans and become actually spiritual beings. Vancha kalpa tarubhyas cha kripa sindhu vijavacha patitanam pavanebhyo vaishnavebhyo namo namaha. Dantene thaya chunakang padayane patya kritva chaka kushatame tad aham ravimi he sadava sakala eva vihaya durat goranga chandra charne kurutana. Parivada tu jano yata tata va nano mukharo navayang vicharyama. Hari rasa madhiramadati mata bhuvi vilutama natama nirvishama. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare. Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Rama, 